Hello and welcome to another episode of Alcoholitics. I am your host, Terrain Myricks. I am joined by um, some friends of the pod, some slightly anonymous and some that you've heard recently. Um, most recently, we have our good friend Arista Voorhees. Arista, how are you? Good, good. Two times in one week is it's a, it's a, a real joy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm glad to have you, and I'm very happy that I have seemingly a uh, a guest host in case things get things get dicey. Um, this is dicey, have, I think. Yeah, this is a whole dicey situation. Um, we also have um, our good friend Paul. Paul, how are you? Good man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for thank you for being here, and we have our uh, also good friend, but also coward Rob. Rob, how are you? Awesome. How are you doing? <laughs> doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, so Arista and I got to talk about this um last time, but we didn't. You know, we'd I'd love to hear from from Paul and Rob. How are you uh spending your time? Uh, quarantined. Uh, what what do you what do you both do to pass the time while you're stuck inside of the house and not able to leave? You know what? I should probably ask one person first. Uh, Paul, what do you do? <laughs> well, I mean, I've been going on very long walks every single day, and I do listen to a lot of podcasts uh, while I'm walking. Uh, one of them being this one. So. I'm kind of plugging a podcast in a podcast. Um, and I've also been uh, working on my short game, going out in the backyard, hitting some golf balls, getting ready um, for when That's I good can to hear. No, no, you plug, plug this podcast while you're while you're on the podcast. That's a good call. Uh, Rob, what, what about you? Well, in my morning, I have a nice cup of coffee. I uh, get pissed off about politics, send some burner tweets out, uh, start the group chat off with some, you know, <laughs> some uh, some great fire questions that I know what you're all going to say. <laughs> and then I uh, watch some cars get detailed. <laughs> what? Wait, how do you watch? What cars do you watch? Get What show is oh, on this? YouTube. On YouTube, there's this guy called the Detail Geek, and he does cars. Uh, he does the interior and exterior detailing it. It is. <laughs> it's ridiculously okay. addicting. Yeah, you should. Check I out. didn't know about this. What are they like? What like are they old cars? New? Um, what kind so, of cars? So he lives in Canada, and for some reason, these people like to get their cars detailed in the winter time. So the before and after is really dramatic. So they have a lot of um, debris on the outside, and then. He washes it down first, and then he, like, polishes and touches it up. And, of course, you have, like, a lot of people who hunt there as well. And for some reason, too, they don't clean inside their car. So you have, like, a lot of, like, dog hair, a lot of dirt and other debris. And then he just, like... Blood, probably, right? Blood? (laughs) Yeah, probably blood in there, (laughs) too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you... So, to recap... Uh, Paul likes long walks and Rob likes to watch, uh, cars get detailed in Canada. Is that right? Yeah, that's the way to go. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I should also mention that this group is, when I, when I mention the group chat, this is the group chat I'm referring to. Um, 
in a lovely group chat with with three of my most favorite friends and we you know talk about all sorts of things from politics to love is blind um it really covers the whole spectrum uh well let's also point out that people talk about the bachelor and i just fucking tune that out i don't even listen to that (laughs) uh but but let me give you I want to give I want to give um Rob and and Paul I want to give you each like maybe 15 to 25 seconds to pitch the bachelor to me as to why I should watch it. Arista, I don't think you watch it either, do you? I've been like uh forced to watch it or you know, I've been compromised to watch it uh with In my girlfriend case. um a couple times. It's it's, it's no, ridiculous. No, no. Hang on, hang on. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna message her and say that you said forced. You used well, the word no, forced. Let, let me uh, force you to watch. Let me give you a direct quote. She said to me once, Arista, you've made me watch Star Wars and you've made me watch all the Marvel movies. I think I want something for you to watch that I like. So yeah. you should watch The Bachelor. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. You. You shouldn't force her to watch this. I didn't force her. Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah. What do we want to follow up with that? No, we don't want to follow up with that. All right. So you watch. So, so, so Paul, I'm going to give you 15 to 25 seconds. Pitch me the bachelor as to why I should watch the bachelor and I can, go. I can do it in two words. Bachelor Twitter. <laughs> bachelor Twitter. Nope. Like, oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Uh, you, Man, I was really—I was really hoping you'd say something else. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say like Hannah Ann. <laughs> well, I mean, the women on the show are just drop dead gorgeous. That's without—that's without question. Doesn't need to be said. Bachelor Twitter though is straight fire. Terrain, you're a Twitter guy. <laughs> I know that you—you you love yourself the Twitter. Yeah. Get in on it. Hit some follows and just go down that rabbit hole. Oh yeah, and then me. It's All right. Cool. It makes politics Twitter look like child's play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Oh, wow. Play for Bachelor Twitter. You mean there's toxic <laughs> people spouting insane conspiracy theories on Bachelor Twitter as well? Please. So, uh, you're, so yes, you're not wrong. Yes. <laughs> I think Hannah Ann is the one who created the shadow app that gave Pete Buttigieg that Iowa caucus. <laughs> <laughs> I like did pizza date. <laughs> Rob, Rob, you have fifteen to twenty-five seconds. Pitch me the Bachelor. Um, I would probably have to like assume it with Paul. It's like the the Twitter sphere. It's like a big inside joke that everyone gets. <laughs> okay, I don't know. <laughs> All right, big inside joke that everybody gets. I'm in. All right. Does anyone do you do you watch The Bachelorette as well? Uh, of course. Yeah, like I mean, last season we both watched it with Hannah Brown. This this season I don't think so. I don't think I will because I don't know that the woman who's the Bachelorette. Oh, I'm tuning wow. in. Wow. I need the drama. I'm tuning in. I need the drama. Oh, Paul, you're winning my heart, baby. I need the drama. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also winning Maybe a bunch of middle-aged year? women's hearts, too, so. Paul's like, I'm a messy bitch. I love that drama. Let's do it. Pour a glass of wine and have, let's go. When you have more... Arista, what's up? Over, over, like, uh, one, like, uh, over, like, a girl, 
it's a lot funnier than a lot of girls fighting ever one man. That's true. Uh, I, I would say, Terrain, if you liked the part of Love is Blind where the uh, that one couple got there uh, right away and then he was bisexual and then when he told her she freaked out and then he freaked out, if if you liked yes. that part, if you liked that part, it's like, like extra- extrapolate that. Extrapolate Use that. Yeah. Use the names Carlton and Diamond. They fought. Uh, Carlton threw that fake-ass ring into the pool. I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, extrapolate that to, like, I don't know, 10 episodes? I don't know how long The Bachelor is, but... 30 people, too. There you go. Just just imagine what happens when you put a whole bunch of women in one room fighting over one guy. It's worth, Uh like... Oh, yikes. That, that, that... I'm just saying that that sentence that you just said, not gonna go well, sounding, sounding bad, we're gonna move on. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna move on to politics. (laughs) What I, well, yeah, because what I'm, well, because the sentence you said is gonna go down a rabbit hole where we're like, oh, women can't fucking hang out, Paul. Is that a problem, Paul? You idiot, Paul. And what I'm, yeah, and I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not gonna give you a chance to defend yourself. So here we go. <laughs> Welcome to Alpha. Did I just get canceled? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. you Oh, Paul, Paul, you got canceled. I didn't give you a fucking chance to explain what you meant. <laughs> so let's move on uh, to our main topic tonight. Um, Senator Bernie Sanders, who was previously vying for the presidential uh, uh, office, has suspended his campaign. And I'm going to say he suspended his campaign because if I don't, I'm going to get canceled like Paul. So he suspended his campaign. He will no longer essentially be seeking the nomination. However, and this is very important, he will still be on the ballot in every state he's on the ballot. So if you want to vote for Bernie and give him more power in negotiating for the DNC, you surely can because he is on the ballot. Um, but he will not be the nominee. Joe Biden uh, is now the presumptive nominee. So I would like to start with the Sanders campaign. Um, I want to kind of talk about what we think went right, what we think went wrong, and how things could have uh, ended differently if maybe some different steps were were um, were used. So I'd like to start with Arista. What do you think went wrong slash right with the Sanders campaign? Um, I, well, I think what went wrong is that people just didn't show up to vote for him. His main core audience is people who are not previously registered to vote uh, or younger people, and they just never show up to vote. So that's just, I think it's a fool's gold, right? It's the wrong people you target. It's never going to never gonna happen. And then the other thing is that uh, I don't think people of color were really convinced that Bernie Sanders was uh, committed to racial justice. Like it's, Bernie Sanders is super committed to uh, income inequality justice, but but, and I don't think anybody could argue that's wrong, but you, I think you'd have a hard time kind of discussing racial justice and convincing some people of that. So I think that's uh, probably the, the, the wrongs that he did is target the wrong audience, not really convince his correct audience that he needs to. And then also he did a couple of things that pissed off uh, a lot of like quote unquote establishment de- uh, Democrats. So I think that's uh when you I just want to really quick point out when you say quote unquote you're using his quotes right because he like literally quoted saying 
uh, you know, I'm fighting the establishment Democrat. Like he he did that on Twitter like a yeah. little like a couple months ago. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um uh, uh Rob. Sorry, I had to think of what your fake name was. <laughs> Rob, what do you, what do you Rob. think uh what do you think when I, I know that you are a you are a fervent Sanders supporter, um all all pretty much always in his corner. Um, fighting for fighting for Sanders, which was admirable. What what did you uh, think of the campaign in the terms of the audiences he went after? Um, you know how he like how what do you think went right in in that campaign that that got him to you know winning those winning like three out of the first four contests before South Carolina and Super Tuesday or two out of the three rather, but um, you know South Carolina and Super Tuesday. Um, that didn't go well, but what 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 was going on well for him uh, up to that point? Um, I think early on, if you like focus on the setting, what he did, I think, extremely well, especially for him, was how he labeled it a multi generational, multi racial um, base. But then it's sort of more so what Arista was saying is. That's all really what he explained to try to reach out to like African American voters. Um, I think he did it ex- like really well, of course, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and then he had a blowout in Nevada. But then, yes. um, obviously, South Carolina did not go over that well, and then uh, the moderate camp basically all joined forces for Joe Biden, and it was basically downhill from there because once again, with like what Arista said, it's like he was sort of in a wedge when you go against the establishment for the democratic party there's only so much you can do and it's like i love it so much of going against like the the democratic establishment but at the same time like you still somehow gotta win over like the most powerful people and that's sort of what i'm like trying to grasp right now in the post-mortem is like how do you have like this leftist populist campaign in modern day america and be successful with a campaign and that's the, like what i'm trying to figure out right now like what they could have done um obviously the one thing that i could think of now that they could have done better is obviously reach out more to um the older african-american population because it'd be interesting to see what would have happened in like south carolina if like he would have tried a little bit harder to reach out um for that yeah, I, I I get what you're saying there. I, I do. I mean, he definitely had, and I, I want to make sure that it's very very clear. His Latino outreach program in in the in the Sanders campaign was phenomenal. It was outrageously brilliant. He had great people working that, and he was able to reach out to the like the Latinx population, and he had a a, a, a I think a. a majority of those voters in his corner which helped which helped propel him to an incredible win in nevada like and when i say incredible i mean the size the seismic win of nevada he was huge there but he didn't seem to have that same uh that same urgency for african-american voters specifically african-american voters who are older um like you know like before, like you know, he in in numerous cases, he kind of you you look at the uh, decisions of the campaign, and you're like, that's pretty questionable. Why skip Selma? That's a pretty fucking weird call. Yeah. But um, I, I do think that I think that the Sanders campaign definitely did an amazing job reaching uh, Latinx voters, um, and that that helped him, you know, 
early on fucking when one of the early states was, you know, Nevada heavily take that state. Uh, Paul, I know that you are a, you're the moderate. We have a very wide ranging uh, democratic party here on this podcast. Um, Paul is the furthest right. He's the worst. Um, <laughs> so, so what you, I mean, you, you've been heavily critical of the, of the Sanders campaign. So I'm going to, I'm going to force you to start with what he did right. And then g- pivot to what what you think maybe some mistakes were so so first of all i will say this you know i I don't really see myself necessarily as a a moderate per se i just see myself as someone who wants to win more than anything else Um, yes you and and i want to be clear and i do apologize for i i I was doing that for the for the fucking for the joke factor however you 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 have you were very clear constantly your number one priority which is the number one priority of a lot of a lot of democratic voters who were in the primary clearly your number one priority is defeat donald trump so you go ahead well if you think about all of the things that bernie sanders stood for um, and you think about the movement that he inspired, a lot of those are things that I personally support. And I think a lot of Democrats support, but I don't think that in 2020, those ideas win nationally. Um, I love that Bernie is pulling the party to the left. I love that he's inspired, um, a next generation of Democrats. So when I look at, you know, 2024 or 2028, whenever that might be, you're going to see names like Stacey Abrams. You're going to see names like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, probably not Ilhan Omar, unfortunately, but you're going to see people um, who he's inspired um, who are going to be the future leaders of this party. So when I look at what Bernie Sanders did right, maybe not necessarily within his campaign, but just his message, he's pulled us more to the left, which is something that I want to see. Um, Yeah. But I I just think that in, in 2020... There was no chance Bernie was going to win this nomination, and there was no chance that um, he would win a general election because I think that we are all dealing with the PTSD of 2016, where we thought, you know, this was going to be a runaway no matter who was our candidate. Hillary didn't campaign fantastically, Bernie stuck around way too long, um, and a lot of people voted third party or, or voted you know, not for Hillary because they were protesting her. You know, I think that that's going to be different this time around. And I think that we saw that in South Carolina. I think that we saw that in a whole bunch of states that we want safe. We want a victory. And we know that, you know, all of the things that Bernie Sanders and AOC and all those politicians stand for will never, ever, ever occur with four more years of of Donald Trump, period. Now, now I, I get what you're saying, but then there's a there's a specific point where where I kind of have to stop and go, what do you mean? Uh, you're saying that there is you said like you you know there's the belief, and I think that the, the belief might be there that that Bernie Sanders couldn't win a general election, but I don't think there's any legitimate uh, data that shows that. Um, he 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 did well polling against uh against the current president. Um, in some states he does equally as well, or just slightly under, or slightly above Joe Biden. Uh, so I want to press you a, like a little bit on that. What do you mean like he can't win a general election? 
what my fear was and what my fear is with, with a Sanders candidacy would be, you know, when Trump and Fox News and, and that coalition really ramp up the effort to campaign against him, every single advertisement is going to be socialist, communist, Nazi. They're going to put his story. Come on. They're going to – no, hang on. They're going to call – they're going to call whatever the Democratic nominee is socialist. Right, we, but we, – like, but the difference is is Biden has never come out and said, you know, this is what I am. You know, Bernie Sanders yeah. is embracing it. And I think that there's there's definitely going to be a fear um, that, that Trump would be able to exploit with Bernie that he might not be able to exploit with Biden because I think people know Joe Biden. I think people really miss the Obama era. I think people, you know, he, he's a known commodity, whereas Bernie Sanders is also a known commodity, but he's a known commodity that is a socialist. I don't really have a problem with it. I think there's a lot of people on the left that that don't have a problem with his ideals. But I think that when you give Trump that extra ammunition, that's something that that scares me. My biggest fear was, uh, you know, set aside all that other stuff. I think that the word socialist is a dirty word to to many American voters. And I'm I'm fearful that that Trump would be able to use it and exploit it to to bring out a, a crew of people that we don't necessarily need, you know, coming out arista your thoughts um yeah i i kind of i might agree with paul here a little bit that uh biden biden isn't kind of calling himself any of these other things that will be attacked upon him whereas bernie sanders is you know yes i am a democrat socialist and then trump can go socialist see there we go. Run, run these ads. He calls himself a socialist, right. whereas Biden is not saying uh, that uh, he's not agreeing or uh, you know assigning that label on himself for anything that uh, can be said to him. So it's harder to kind of run those sort of ads. Rob, your thoughts? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's, let's keep it moving. Well, no, I just want to, I just want to point out, like, it's, I understand, yes, no, uh, 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 no, nope, nope, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> um, well, I just, I'm literally well, waiting until I actually well, have. Can I, can I talk um, about the socialist stuff? Yes, sure, talk about the socialist like, stuff. Uh, even though you so we have, we talk about. even you have Joe Biden explicitly not saying he's a socialist, what do they do to Obama? <laughs> they literally label him as a Muslim, and people still believe it. Like, it's the Republican Party. It's a vicious attack dog. And Obama, and, won, and Obama, Obama, won, Obama won two two terms with a majority of voters. So it didn't, the label, though it stuck in the right-wing circles, didn't stick. because. And it's possible because he didn't say, yes, that's me. Like, I don't think the Democratic Socialist label is scary. I think it's, I think it's good because it's literally what, like, con- like, countries do on on their, like that's that's what the european nations are for the most part they're democratic socialists we have scandinavian countries that are doing incredibly well because of that kind of socialism so i think that's great but i understand yes that the american people are kind of scared about it because they're you know they've been taught for a while that it's horrifying just like we've you know that's that's just the way it is it's it's not good um but but at the same time joe biden isn't holding on to that that specific uh you know that specific label and saying yes that's me 
uh, at something that apparently people are scared of. I think it's dumb. I think it's dumb to be scared of democratic socialism, but I think that it definitely is in a lot of voters' minds a, a, a factor that is off-putting. That's I, unfortunately that's not uh, data. Kind of points out that that's fair. It just young people are cool with it, which is great because they're the next they're the next people who are going to be running the fucking country. But right now, that's not what people are cool with. Can I also just say it's kind of hilarious that the same people that decry socialism and and government programs that are funded by taxpayers are the same people that have blue lives matter flags on their houses and they forget that police mm-hmm. departments are socialism true well hang on no no, no paul because here's the thing i pay my monthly fire bill so that the firefighters <laughs> can come to my house well before they come to fucking whatever schmuck down the streets house is on fire like no 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 no, no, no. I, I make sure that my firefighters are greased up so they get back to, to daddy's place real quick. <laughs> you um, got to find the for that. <laughs> daddy's place. Let's move on. What's the name of the center? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we named it. It's daddy's place. Um, <laughs> let's move on to... Um, our our uh, main so so now that now that Bernie Sanders has effectively <laughs> stopped campaigning, he is not seeking the nomination and he will not get the nomination. Joe Biden is the presumptive Democratic nominee. So now we have a situation where Joe Biden does have to reach out to um, voters in in the context of getting them to come vote for him in whatever, you know, situation they're in. So he has to reach out to young voters. He has to reach out to older voters. He has to reach out to um, Bernie supporters. And that might be the hardest thing to get those progressives and, um, you know, specific Bernie supporters to um, come into the fold. So uh, Rob, I'll start with you as a, as a Bernie supporter. What are the things that Joe Biden needs to do? I know that you have said, and, and I'm, I'm just going to give a little bit of the, of the uh, group text here, but you have said that you'll vote for Joe Biden, but you're not super happy about it. What are some things that he can do to make you a little bit, you know, feel a little bit better about the vote that you'll cast for Joe? I think first and foremost has to do with healthcare, and I was not expecting him to pivot left at all, um, but he came out today saying he would at least lower the age of Medicare to 60 years old. Um, so I feel like Medicare for all would have to be like something he has to address, especially in a pandemic when you have a lot of people getting off their employment healthcare. You have to do at mm-hmm. least something that doesn't tie healthcare to employment and i'm like that's one of the biggest things for me that he has to do um the next thing joe biden would have to do um obviously has to do like other policy proposals but then it would have to be like the vp pick i'm not gonna get to that now because i think we're gonna talk about it later um but obviously that has like a big sway in my enthusiasm like i'll vote for him like now but depending on who he picks for vp you know that could make me knock on some doors possibly and maybe like okay. other people but if you know he goes like the tim kane route i don't like he's not going to energize anyone uh arista what about what about you what do you think 
Um, so I, I agree with everything that Rob just said. So in addition to uh, Robert's uh, analysis there, I'm going to kind of... Does his name get more formal as you go on? Uh, I agree with everything Rob said. Here's what I think about Robert. Yes. Well, Roberto uh, made some strong points, but uh, I think something as simple as just... (laughs) Something as simple as just maybe acknowledging that, you know, the standard supporters exist. I don't know. Uh, And and I think also... Cutting down on the Joe gaffes. Like, I know we get it. They're funny. They're wholesome. Whatever. you, It could be said. However, some I've seen some people on, like, Rose Twitter kind of using those as ammunition. Like, look at Joe being senile. He's not fit for anything. This is disgusting. <laughs> so I think if Joe kind of reins it in a little bit, stop with the gaffes, you know, kind of get more concise on point, come up with a, a sort of plan, whether that plan is filling out his cabinet, not to you know again we're going to talk about that later but filling out his cabinet and coming up with a more concrete plan moving forward i think that's uh, something those will go a long way in my opinion okay i i agree with that i will say that joe biden has uh been on record praising bernie for the past um you know a couple of weeks actually including saying um something along the lines of uh, bernie sanders uh didn't just run a campaign he created a movement like he has been very clear uh He's been very clearly signaling to those to those people that uh, were for Bernie Sanders, like, I recognize that there is a movement beyond this campaign. It's not just about this campaign. It's not just about this person. It is a movement, a political movement um, and that, that I re- recognize and respect. So I want to make sure that that's, that's clear as well. Paul, um, now I know that you're already satisfied with Joe Biden, um, so... <laughs> What do you think, uh, how do you think he can bring more progressive voters into the fold um, in terms of policy proposals? Well, I think the big thing he's got to do is um, really reach out to the leaders of that movement. Um, So whether it is, you know, having a a sit down, you know, dinner with Bernie Sanders, you know, on, you know, whatever, or joining AOC on one of her Instagram videos or something like that. I think you really right. have to go. remember, and I just want to—I'm sorry for cutting you off, but we can't—he can't have a sit-down dinner. He has to stay six feet away from them. And in fact, don't go near him. But go ahead. Okay. Fair. Uh, th- this is a post-COVID world hopefulness kind of kind of. It's not. Idea. <laughs> we live in a COVID world. COVID is what we are now. This is our life. Let's go. Well, if if, if you watch the news today, I mean, the curve is flat. It's all over, according to you know, our dear leader. So, um, it's not, you're going, <laughs> I mean, we're all aware. Um, no, I, I think it's just his, he, I, I really love that, that he did make the pivot leftward. I think he really should honestly sit down with Elizabeth Warren and come up with concrete plans for expansions of, of Medicare or at least Obamacare, um, expansions for, um, his, his minimum wage policies and stuff like that really bring, um, you know, some of those progressive ideals under his umbrella, but kind of make them his own um, and really give those people the opportunity to feel like they're part of this process. Um, if, if it's really a, I'm running the show, you're just along for the ride, he's not going to get those voters. Um, but but really making the Bernie supporters and the, the progressive left part of the process of uh, coming up with his platform, I think is, is a big, big deal. 
Yeah, I and here's the thing. I, I 100% agree. I think that um, especially if you're looking for, you know, someone to come up with to talk to regarding um, your plans, there are a couple of people that I can fucking have in mind right now. Uh, one clearly being um, my second candidate, Elizabeth Warren, um, who just goes out of her way to propose plans all out the wazoo um she has a plan for legitimately everything including um you know covid voting which is which is something that's incredibly important making sure that we all have the ability to vote in this uh in this primary slash 2020 election um that is something that's very necessary but but reaching out to progressives on health care uh I, I agree that um lowering the age for medicare is great um I think also uh, climate is a is a big thing. Like we're we're dealing with something this this COVID controversy that will eventually end, and I just want to make sure that it's clear that uh, climate change is still an existential threat. So adopting the policies of maybe someone like Jay Inslee, who has a very comprehensive uh, climate change plan, would be great. Also, let's just be clear. We're in a situation where right now we need more than just that uh, $1,200 check. Um, and, you know, who's really good about uh, policy of universal basic income? Andrew Yang. Yang gang. Uh, so let's maybe <laughs> chit-chat with the Yang gang and uh, talk about what is up with, the, like, I, I think that those are definitely things that, that need to be like, need to be there. Let's, I want well, to pivot to... I'm really glad you brought that up, too, because there was a very interesting article in the New York Times the other day that did kind of draw a connection between, you know, people of color dying more from COVID and pollution within our inner cities. Yeah. That's an interesting, I mean, that's a, that's a weird, weird combo, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, and it's very clear that, that people of color are more likely at, at this point, um, it looks like based on, you know, the the death rates and and it should, like like for example uh the mayor i believe of chicago had came out and had said that more people of color are dying of um this uh of covid19 than than uh any other population it's pretty fucking it's pretty fucking scary and something that needs to be you know talked about and acknowledged um i want to i want to move past this really quickly because we're getting into a dark territory that's making me sad um let's talk a little bit about um cabinet picks i want to i want to talk about cabinet picks that that could possibly be beneficial for um bringing in progressives to the fold uh of this potential uh, Biden candidacy slash presidency. Have has anyone thought about uh, potential cabinet picks uh, that uh, would be beneficial for Joe Biden to float out there for progressives? I'm, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Rob. Not Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, no, no. Hang on. We all agree. We all agree. Michael Bloomberg should not be. <laughs> Anywhere near this cabinet. I think we all agree with that. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> well, for my VP picks, I need to have a fighter. And those are two women who I see that and who I idolize. One being Rashida Tlaib and then two being Nina Turner. If you have either of those 
you will solidify the progressive movement. Will it happen? No. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, good. All right, great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Paul. What? What do you do? You do you have any thoughts regarding any sort of cabinet picks? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on VP. I don't. I don't know necessarily cabinet. I think Jay Inslee definitely needs to be in there. Um, it, it wouldn't hurt to to kind of throw a bone to maybe uh, Gavin Newsom, um, who's you know every, Cuomo gets all the press, but Newsom's actually been kind of the the point person when you look at governors on uh, COVID nineteen response. Um, I think he would be someone that would be fantastic. Um, and honestly, maybe even Pete Buttigieg as Secretary of Defense, um, you know, or, or something in, in, you know, maybe National Security Advisors, somebody who has served and is a veteran. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into the, the VP picks just yet or if we want to save that for later on, but... We're saving it. Okay. Uh, Rob, Rob decided he was going to jump the gun on those VP picks. We're going to save those. <laughs> um, Arista, what did you think about potential cabinet picks for Joe Biden that could appease the left wing? Appease the Which left wing. I, so, I just want to say, when I say appease the left wing, uh, we are the left wing. I would like to be appeased. I, I, I legit, there are there are people that could be nominated for, there are people that could be nominated in the cabinet or for uh, vice president that I'd be very fucking upset with. So um, what do you think we have uh, in terms of potential cabinet picks that could be beneficial? Mm, boom. Give me Andrew Yang, United States Secretary of the Treasury. Boom. Give me Elizabeth Warren, the Secretary of Education. Give me Kamala Harris, the Secretary of – no, I'm sorry, the U.S. Attorney General. Attorney General. There we go. Give me Pete Buttigieg, the Ambassador to the U.N. Um, uh, that's that's kind of off the top of my head. That's what I got. Um, oh my god we're not wrong anyway. I, I love that it was off the top of your head but you screamed boom at each one <laughs> I do that I, I do that anytime I think of something so uh, I feel like you're like Michael Scott in the office <laughs> boom roasting <laughs> I mean I think there are definitely some uh, some leans to progressives that can be uh, in the cabinet, I would like to say yes. I think that um, talking specifically about uh, Arista's pick of um, Andrew Yang as the Treasury Secretary, though I think it is less likely. I think that it's it's a very uh, it shows a, a a move towards the progressive left when it comes to uh, economic policy. I will say that a lot of Yang's supporters tend to be more on the fence independently in a way that like, isn't actually like I'm progressive left or I'm whatever. Um, but they, they, they do when it comes to economic policy in terms of universal basic income, uh, that is a progressive policy. That's a very progressive policy. And that, I think that is a very huge uh, move. That would be a very huge move for the, for the Biden uh, campaign slash presidency. Do I think that will happen? Absolutely fucking not. No. Um, I don't really. I don't know I if any of these say, will happen. No, of course not. I would also say floating the name Paul Krugman, um, in in terms of in terms of uh, um, you know, Secretary of the Treasury would be would be fantastic. Paul Krugman is a very influential and 
economically progressive uh, writer. He uh, would be great. He's an, an amazing economist in, in terms of, um, you know, economy showing that, you know, giving workers more power and giving more money to the middle class would be uh, super beneficial to the entire nation. I think that would be uh, an incredible uh, choice. Um, I also, I also follow the, um, uh, I also follow the Kamala Harris for attorney, for attorney general. Um, I'm with that, but I think I have my eyes set higher for her uh, elsewhere. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, big, <laughs> big, big, big spoiler as to what we're talking about later. <laughs> um, but, and I, and I'm, I'm leaving the VP, you know what? Actually, no, I'm not. What? What specific VPs do we think would help with progressives? Marianne Williamson. I'm not talking. Hang on, stop this, stop this. <laughs> yes, yes, we all agree. Marianne Williamson is the best one. But I'm talking, I'm talking specifically to to put progressives on the side of Joe Biden. And keep in keep in mind, Joe Biden is like 77 years old. He will be the oldest if he if he wins. He will be the oldest elected president in history and i would say that his chances of running for re-election are very very low so i will ask this the the next vice president very well may be the next president we're talking strictly on progressive terms here who would be a good progressive vice president arista i'll start with you Mm, aoc she, I don't believe, <laughs> is, is, there, is, there, uh, is there an age restriction for vice president? Yeah, I think there's an age restriction for no, vice they're, president. They're definitely, I'm as a, civics teacher, as a civics teacher, I want to answer this one. <laughs> yes, there is an age restriction because if the president dies, they have to then be president. So yeah. the same they have to be at least 25 years old have to be a resident in the u.s for at least 14 years and so yeah yeah all right so, all right. so serious answer um yes. stacy abrams is the only one that can really pops my mind i don't know about uh, nina turner or rashida Tlaib, but i'm gonna let robert uh discuss them i guess Yes. Robert, could you discuss them a little bit further? What do you think uh, specifically pulls people in terms of Nina Turner or Rashida Tlaib? What do you think that they bring to the table that is um, beneficial for people who... Because progressives aren't just Bernie voters. They're progressives. They're people who supported Elizabeth Warren. There's some people who supported um, Julian Castro. Like, there are progressive people who didn't follow uh religiously the bernie campaign who might not like know what nina turner is about so like who are who like what makes them the the pick the pick to bring progressives in well you have rashida to leave she's 43 nina turner she's like 52 they're obviously like comparatively young to joe biden um they're obviously two fighters and they come from working class backgrounds how i see them is their representation of the working class that has not been represented at all in congress and then they're like two fighters who you need to fight for the progressive agenda in even in a democratic um in a in a democratic uh, cabinet or whatever and 
administration. Administration. I'm blanking on the word. On a democratic administration, you need someone to fight for those values. And especially if, like, you have what we talked about before with Joe Biden being rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling all the time and having all these gaffes. You have these two well-polished, well-spoken women of color who are young and who are fighters. And I feel as if they will back the progressive agenda and I can trust them. Now, Robert, I have a question. Um, no one knows who these people are. I guess that's not really a question so much as a statement. Nina Turner is is a Ohio... Jesus Christ! Uh, Nina Turner is like a member of the Ohio State Senate. So I don't know... Was a member of the Ohio State Senate. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. So she's nothing. So <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. know. How do you pivot from yeah. that to a heartbeat you heard of presidency? You heard, it here? you heard it here first. Uh, Arista Voorhees, Nina Turner is nothing. Yeah, she's nobody. No, how do you pivot from that to the a heartbeat away from the president? How do you convince somebody, somebody who's not a progressive? How do you convince uh, Bob the Plumber uh, to, you know, Joe the Plumber? Whatever. It's Joe. His name is Joe, and his name's not actually Joe, and we don't need to get into it. Whatever. Answer the question, Roberto. What we have to do is just listen to Nina Turner speak, even just like about her background, where she grew up from. She's basically the American dream. And if like if the American public just gave her a chance, if she was on the platform of a VP going against Mike Pence, I can guarantee you, you will all love her and America would love her. Like, well, hang on. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I, I, I can make that argument for a fuckload of people. I can make that argument for people who are well established. Like, I can, I can literally name, I can, I can name. Do you think I can't name fucking women of color who could go up against Mike Pence and look fucking amazing? You're crazy. Like, why is it Nina that is the like, like that's your that's your specific argument, right? Like, like Nina's the which which I'm fine with, but like I think that it's very fair for Arista to say like she her her like main uh, experience is a state senator from from Ohio. Like, what what makes that the the most uh, qual like what 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 puts her above the edge of someone like Kamala of someone who like. Uh, Stacey Abrams. So you're just who was? I want to say Stacey was like a state official from Georgia, so she also kind of fits in this. I was going to say that's that's sort of my problem with Stacey Abrams as well is that she kind of also doesn't have that wide range name recognition that I think would really help. Honestly, I don't think like I don't know. That's just like me personally. You don't need name recognition as a VP. Like well, hang, whoa, whoa, whoa! You just well, the whoa, guy whoa, who whoa. got all upset about Tim Kaine. Yeah, if you if you lost your mind over Tim Kaine, what do you mean you don't need the name? near Nina Turner right now. No, Tim Kaine just keeps winning elections in Virginia. He's a Tim senator. Tim Kaine was the senator. Everyone knew him. He was a white dude who spoke Spanish, and he was from Virginia. <laughs> There's your bone, moderates. But you know, having Nina Turner, like a woman of color coming from Ohio, who, like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Also, also, can I say, can I ask you this about? I like, I like leave? when you kind of just give up. I'm just, I'm not. <laughs> I like when you're that. like, I'm just, I'm like, I can't, I'm I can't have this an argument anymore. <laughs> also, also, can I ask you about Rashida Tlaib? Because again, I, I like her personally as, as a 
you know, Democrat, but there's no way she would be a good VP. Like, what? wait, what? Wait, what? No, no, hang on, hang on, Paul, Paul, let me, let, I'll handle right, this. You go, Tarina. Why? Why would she? Why would she not be a good VP? I, I think that. How do I put this without sounding horrible? Um, I don't think that there's a way. But go ahead. I mean, I, I don't really know whether somebody who is as fiery as she is, um, also being Muslim, I, I think that that plays into the hands of the opposition, just like you know Jesus Senator Christ. Sanders with with mm-hmm. socialism. Not that not that it it should be. Not that not that it's something that you know should be held against her, but I think that if if we've learned one thing about the current GOP is they are very very good at taking something very very small and insignificant and turning it into the absolute boogeyman and ruining an entire election. Like I, I just don't know. Emails. Though though I disagree with 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 what you're kind of saying. I definitely understand what you're saying. I will just, I would just say this. I think that Rashida Tlaib would be a great person to be able to kind of speak to what's going on in in her own uh, mind. And, and, and I also want to just be clear, like, I think that Rashida Tlaib is an incredible speaker. She's an mm-hmm. incredible uh, congressperson. She has the ability to dissuade the nonsense that would come from the right wing. I know that I know that you're you're on the track of the right wing's going to be doing some fucking horrific things. So let's not give her all give them all of the ammunition, but I think that it would be great to have a uh, a Muslim woman be the vice presidential nominee and then, you know, uh, like I, I think that that would be great for for uh, like <laughs> I think that that would be great for the nation to understand. And I understand it's not necessarily in a way of trying to win an election. I'm I'm going further than that now. I'm going deeper uh, into the hearts and souls of the United States uh, of the uh, sorry the of the Amer- of Americans. Oh, and, and I agree with you completely. Like I completely agree with you. I I just know but, that. But you, but you know, we're not trying to currently win hearts and souls. We're trying to win a fucking election. I get that. You're you're very and and that makes sense, right? Like I get where you're coming from too. That makes sense. We're not trying to win hearts and souls. We're trying to win a fucking election, right? Well, and I mean, come on, turn on the TV if if she were running for VP. Turn on the TV and tell me you wouldn't see um, every single commercial being Sharia law. Like, like you I mean, would see, that's exactly what you would see. We saw it under Obama, and he wasn't even Muslim. So it's like they're going to do it no matter what. <laughs> right, I, but I, if I, he I, actually is, that it'll hit stick more. I, I I get where you're coming from because I I'm with I'm with Rob in the same sense that like Obama was called a Kenyan Muslim and he won fucking two elections with the majority of voters. However, I get where you're coming from, Paul. Where you know, she's saying I am a Muslim, which is not a fucking problem. But the no. question then becomes the the question then becomes, should the Democratic Party be afraid of running as who we are in this election? Or should we run as who we are? Should like should we be afraid of being like, for example, if 
Pete Buttigieg got the fucking nomination. Should we be afraid of being a gay candidate? Should we be afraid of being a bisexual candidate if he chooses, if Joe chooses Kate Brown as the vice president, um, the, the, the governor of Oregon? Like, should we be afraid of being who we are or should we fucking run and win this shit and change the minds of Americans? Guys, I'm drunk and I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> Uh, can i can i can i as the the moderate here say that you can kind of do both without having to step into the gray area if that makes any sense so like if if for example you know you talk about you want to run as the party that we are then i think there are are two people that that should come to mind for vp um arista mentioned if you fucking say michelle obama i will lose my mind on you (laughs) I wasn't going. I wasn't going to. Um, okay. But you know, <laughs> um, he's already reached out and she said no. So just, <laughs> I've done the research. Um, no, I think there's two names that have to come to mind. The first name is Stacey Abrams um, that Arista brought up, which I think is a fantastic pick. Um, but I also do think that um, Elizabeth Warren might be the better kind of bridge to the progressive left. So if you're looking at a vice president um, to shore up where you are weak, people of color is not exactly where um, Biden is weak, whereas That's that's very fair, you know, whereas progressives potentially he might be, if you want to play the long game, definitely go with Abrams. Cause I think that she would be someone that everybody would have no problem rallying behind in 2024. Um, cause she's a very great, you know, very good speaker. She's progressive, but she's also not, you know, a, an out and out socialist. I would love to well, see her as the future a, of the party. She's a Democrat. She's a Democrat in Georgia. Right. And I think I would love to see her as the future of the party, but I also, I also see a ton of benefits to choosing Elizabeth Warren as well. I like it. I get. I get it. Where you're coming from. We're gonna leave it at that. We're gonna keep moving because we have a couple more topics, and we're all already like an hour in. So, um, <laughs> um, let's move real quick to um, now. Bernie Sanders has essentially he's no longer competing for the nomination. Where we made that clear. Um, he's still on the ballot, uh, but he's no longer competing for the nomination. What can he do? to get his to corral his supporters to come to uh vote for the uh biden campaign and not just vote for but work for the biden campaign in order to defeat donald trump in a way that maybe hillary clinton could not do um uh, and i'm gonna regret this but rob i'm starting with you well he should do what he did in 2016 when goes (laughs) and campaigns more than uh hillary <laughs> I said to trigger you. <laughs> All right, Arista, I'm gonna move on to you. Rob's a prick. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Rob, go ahead. Rob, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, but anyways, like in a more serious way. So your question is, what can Bernie Sanders do? What he didn't do in 2016? Is that well? No, it's it's no, it's legitimately what can he do to bring uh to to better bring the yeah yeah I guess I guess maybe a little bit. I'm I'm more so worried about you know like. Uh, the going into going into the Democratic National Convention, whether it be virtual or um, in person, which is very unlikely at this state. Yeah, but, we're gonna we're gonna know, Skype it. We're gonna have a Zoom meeting. Yeah, we're gonna Zoom. We're it. gonna have a 
They're gonna they're gonna invite like fucking one point two million people to Zoom, and we're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, no one has a good connection. This is bad. But um, <laughs> I, I think that I think that we're gonna we're gonna see. I don't want to see a large group of people booing our nominee and chanting another person's name when the nominee is picked. I want I want. Yeah. To be able to rally around our nominee, um, so that we can go in united against the common threat, which is uh, this fucking nightmare, President Kafefe. So, like, what do you think? What do you think Bernie Sanders can do to corral his supporters um, for the Biden campaign? Uh, so, for my serious answer, I think it all comes down to his campaign slogan of not me us like it was yeah. n- not about me what we were fighting for and now what we are all fighting for is under joe biden and it's like i know it's not me and we have this past of you know fighting against each other but now we have a con- common enemy and now we have the platform too so you go out and vote and then we do this at the convention now we have the leverage to hopefully move them to the left over policy because once again, this movement is based off of policy. So that's where it's sort of that give and take. Like if Bernie Sanders does basically all he can in like campaigning and then vying for Joe Biden and telling his supporters to in, not endorse him, but like to go out and vote for him, but somehow be inspired to knock on doors and to have active persuasive arguments to support Joe Biden too. It's not just, oh, this is not Trump because you have to give a reason to vote for someone, not against someone else. And I think that was one of the lessons learned on both sides between Bernie and Hillary was they were too focused on, this is a vote we need to like, you know, go against Trump. We need to focus on getting people out, give them a reason to vote for something, especially if this COVID thing is still going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to risk my life necessarily for a moderate Democrat. And that's what, like, a lot of people would think. <laughs> I, I agree. I understand where you're coming from. And I, I also agree. And I, I would like to change, like, the door knocking thing. We're likely not doing a door knocking. We're we're in a situation where the, the campaign is virtual now. We need to convince people virtually to vote for Joe Biden, um, whether that be, um, you know, or we can call them on the phone. We can cold call them. Let's start cold calling yeah. motherfuckers. Start <laughs> typing in numbers on your phone. We're going to fucking cold call bitches and it's going to be great. Um, no, but I, but I see what you're saying. That Yes, we can't we can't um, uh, lean on the Trump's bad, which which we're going to get to in a second. I'm more so focused on. What can Bernie do to bring those people in to try to maybe like, you know, like try to try to get his supporters to rally around Joe Biden rather than what happened in in um, 2016? Uh, Arista, what what were your thoughts on this? So I think there's two things that uh, Senator Sanders can do to sort of get a, a better opportunity to coalesce around Joe Biden. And the first thing he's already done it, and that's drop out. Uh, I talked about this on the last episode of Alcoholics, but I also think it's a, a lesson he learned from 2016, where Paul already complained about it, that Bernie stayed in way too long during the primary in 16 and thus kind of uh, 
forced more contention than when it shouldn't have been. But uh, uh, yeah. so dropping out now kind of eases that uh, way better. But I think the other thing to do is uh, kind of frame the argument uh, to his supporters. Uh, Bernie can frame the argument to his supporters in a way that will convince them to vote for Joe Biden. And I think the most convincing thing to do that would be to just talk about the Supreme Court uh, easily. Just to the, do you want a 7-2 Republican majority under four more years of Donald Trump, in which we'll never have any of these policies again, uh, any liberal policies for the next 40 years? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather, uh, you know, have a Supreme Court that can be flexible and work with uh, liberal policies in the future. I think that's the number one easiest way to convince some uh, more Bernie supporters. You know, if you want universal health care, we'll never have it for 30 years or we might not have it for five, something like that. Paul, what about yourself? Well, I, I do think that he does need to mobilize his, his, um, you know, followers. I think that he's done a really good job of reaching out to to voters that, you know, have been disenfranchised or, well, maybe not disenfranchised, but just they don't feel like they're part of the process. Disillusioned. Um, yeah, disillusioned. disillusioned. Yep. Yeah. Um, those are the voters that I think will push this election over the top for the Democrats um, if they can come out and vote. Um, but again, going off of what Arista said, this is all about you know, frame it as we are the closest we've ever been to having the progressive state that we would like. This is as close as we've ever gotten. And there's one major hurdle in the way. And if we aren't able to clear this hurdle, we might not be able to definitely within Bernie's lifetime, definitely within our parents' lifetime, and potentially not within our lifetime or at least within our lifetime where it would matter. Um, So this is the election where you have to come out and vote. You have to vote for the Democrat so that when Ginsburg retires, when Clarence Thomas retires, you know, we can put justices in there that are going to rubber stamp things that the American public wants. And, and we can have the, the government that works for the American people. Um, you know, the Supreme Court is the biggest argument. But again, also, I think him getting out of the race was huge. And I want him to just be very cordial with Biden. They have to do a lot of things together, I think. Yeah. Um, he has to almost be the unofficial running mate without being the VP. I think that that's fair. I, I, I would say this. I, I think that that's very fair. I get that. Number one, the Supreme Court is the most important factor of this and in any conversation that you have with a progressive voter who's on the fence about biden a moderate voter who's on the fence about biden which there aren't many an independent voter you have to make sure that you understand that the number one thing for these people might be you know what can be set in stone which is done by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is able to set things in stone for a a for generations. They hold the power to set things in stone for generations. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is fucking 87 years old. Like she's 87. Like she's 87. <laughs> so like 
Her, her, de- like, like we cannot allow Donald Trump to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Stephen Breyer's eighty-one. Clarence Thomas is seventy-one. Sam Alito is seventy. Sotomayor is sixty-five and has diabetes. We can't let these mother. We cannot let Donald Trump replace any of these motherfuckers. At all. And that that definitely needs to be the number one uh, argument for anyone regarding a Trump versus Biden presidency. Or, you know, just for someone who's like, I don't really like Biden, but it's like, yeah, but he's going to pick someone like you know, on the left when it comes to the, when it comes to the Supreme court who will protect the right for minorities to vote, who will protect uh, women's reproductive rights versus someone like Neil Gorsuch or Brett Kavanaugh. Like we cannot allow Donald Trump to put like two to three more like fucking 40 year olds on the Supreme court. We're in a lot of trouble. Well, um, his, history also backs up the fact that the Supreme Court can actually act as an arm of government. You know, if you have a progressive court like we had in the, the 1950s, you know, they can overturn decisions that they've made in the past. So, you know, the yep. that court overturned Plessy versus Ferguson, the separate but equal, um, you know, yep. doctrine of 1896. They overturned it in 1954, long before... Um, Martin Luther King and, and other civil rights leaders got that movement sort of going. Um, so if we want to overturn now something like Citizens United, that's something that uh, a progressive court could potentially do. Right, I agree. So and and it brings me to like this is this is the like one incredibly important factor of this election. Twenty twenty could come down to literally. What do you want the Supreme Court to look like? Um, which makes the, like begs the question, and I, I want to pose this to Rob first. It's not, and, and I don't think you think this, but I want I want to ask: Is it enough to just state that Donald Trump is incredibly dangerous and is a a menace to the United States, and he's really really bad, or do we need to, like like? Is that enough to to sway any voters, or do we have to have a specific argument for our candidate? I honestly don't think it's enough for a lot of voters going through economic turmoil right now, like especially if they lost their job, lost their health care, and they have kids at home that are not at school. I could see them like seeing Donald Trump handling this coronavirus pretty well, especially because coming across like he's handing out money with these stimulus checks. No, we haven't gotten them. It's the betrayal that he's our daddy and he's taking care of us. And I think a lot of people who are going through economic terms might see that. Wow. Arista, could you go? (laughs) Yeah. First off, Robert, never, ever refer to Trump as daddy. Never. (laughs) We all know who daddy is. Um, it's terrain. Yeah. Daddy's um, place. Second, I think that, and I, I've said it a thousand. Oh, <laughs> I've said it a thousand trillion times. If you just run on a platform as Trump bad, you're not going to win shit. In 2018, we won back the House on an argument over health care, and I think that we can win 
in 2020 in an argument over healthcare again. We can use this just just as Roberto just said. We can use this uh, situation. Uh, with the coronavirus as something to, to point to. You just lost your job. You just lost your health care. Well, yeah. under uh, President Biden, you know, we'll expand Obamacare registrations or some, something like that. Yeah. Well, well, to be fair, let's let's be clear about something that's that's very, very simple. Um, the president of the United States currently is not allowing an another enrollment period for um, the current health care law. President Biden would. He would allow people to be able to get into um, the healthcare market. But but let's also be clear that I'm I'm certain that President Biden would uh, lax the <laughs> lax the requirements for the current healthcare bill, and a lot of these people would be would be covered by the current um, Medicaid uh, option that, that that's there. Yeah, so 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 you're saying that, but does the average voter know that? That's what you, that's what I mean. No. You, you need to you need to provide that information to the average voter. So you So that's what I mean. The average voter does know that though. If you look at the polls right now for, you know, how President Trump and the Republican Party has handled this, he is underwater and he's underwater by like 12 points. Yeah, it's bad. Well, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. It, what, no, let's just be clear. Like not too long ago, motherfucker got like 55% in a poll that's, saying that's, he was doing well. That's the, yeah, that's the rally. Not. That's the, that's the rally around the flag boost. And that's gone now. Right. And it's, it's certainly, it's certainly dropping. Now. I wouldn't say gone, but it's certainly dropping now. As of now, 538 has him at, um, approximately uh, 44.6% of approval, 50.3% of disapproval. But let's be clear, not too long ago, he was up in, you know, 53% uh, disapproval. He's dropped. Like, it's on its way, it's on its way back up, but just, like, well, it, it's, it's just starting to happen. Well, what you know just broke is Donald Trump is actually, like, suspending testing now on like the last day you get tested for coronavirus, I, I forget where. It might be like New York City. I have to double check this really quick. Uh, but he's suspending it on Friday. So that means it'll come across that not as many people have coronavirus. I feel like he's just doing that to like cover his back. I would need to see that specific uh, article or whatever because I don't know if you can just suspend a state from sure, testing right. for coronavirus. AOC uh, retweeted something. Um, to that effect, if you want to, you know, double check that it was a couple hours ago. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I'm, I will find it out. I'll sn- I'll figure it out and I'll pop in with the news. <laughs> you guys know me fucking news over here. Um, but yeah, I just, I, 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 part of me is like, there's no way he can do that, but he can. Um, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, Let's move. So, so we all agree. Actually, Paul, do you agree it's not enough that Donald Trump is dangerous and that should be enough for every voter? Or do you th- do you think that that should be enough? Like, let me. Sorry, let me phrase. I think that should be enough. You think that should be enough? Is that enough? I I don't think it is. Um, I think you do need to have policy. But I think in this election, there's so many things that you can point to, particularly in this crisis, that he has just royally, royally screwed up. You know, he's put America's... Like what? What's that? 
I said, like what? Name them. Name them specifically. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I do have to post this for hours. You <laughs> got all. So, do, you, do, you think that, do you think that maybe it was a problem that we weren't testing people immediately? Do you think that maybe in January when he said, quote, uh, sorry, let me not quote it right now. Um, when he said that the cases were at 15 and they will drop to zero, do you think that was a problem? Do you think that it was a problem when he went on Fox News and said, hey, you can get this and go to work? Do you think that was a problem? I'm just naming some things that I think possibly were fucking problems. Well, I think that the, the Biden campaign needs to hire people that like worked for like The Daily Show that can comb through these Fox News clips. And just post all of these things that Trump and Hannity and all these people have said about Corona up till the point where this thing exploded in mid-March and shut down our entire nation, our entire lives. I think he he is such a threat to not only the health of our government and our democracy, but each and every American's general health and general economy within their household. Yeah, I don't understand how anybody who's living through this can think, yes, he's done a great job. He's a great leader. Um, just look at South Korea. They are the perfect example of we screwed this up and they did not. They are playing baseball right now. They are starting to open up their economy. They had their first case on the exact same day that our first case was diagnosed in the United States. And our president and their case. president did completely – yeah, did completely different things. Um, you know, the lack of seriousness that this administration has taken this has cost what is the total today? 20,000 Americans their lives? That 16 million Americans their jobs? Uh, the, the April jobs report is going to be horrendous when it comes out, and the stock market is going to tank. I don't know. The whole election is going to be COVID and the economy. And I think that Trump has royally screwed, screwed that up. His administration has screwed it up. And then today he put together his economic task force that features his daughter, uh, Jared Kushner, Larry Kudlow, um, and Steve Mnuchin. And those people are now going to be working with public health experts and have as much impact as Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. I mean, you could run this whole election against Trump and still win, I think. I don't think that that's the right move, but you could because he is uh, he, he's swinging and missing, and it's going to cost a lot of people a lot of money and a lot of lives. Um, first, can, can I just jump in really quick? All right, I guess I am. So yes. I found the article. It's from NPR as of yesterday, and it says federal support ends for coronavirus testing sites as pandemic peak nears. And it says some local officials are disappointed the federal government will end funding for coronavirus testing sites this Friday. In a few places, those sites will close as a result. Yeah, he wants to push it off to the states, basically. He's made that clear very, very, uh, very uh, on almost like every occasion that the states are essentially on their own. He's had states bidding against each other for uh fucking for uh medical supplies for um uh for safety supplies and then he's had the the uh federal government outbid those states he's well, essentially what this is terrible at this. 
what this is is an admission of guilt. This is an admission of I don't know what I'm doing. I royally screwed this up, and it's only going to. No, get no, 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 Paul, Paul, let me stop you right there. He said, "quote I don't take any responsibility at all." Unquote. He would have thought. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but but honestly, what he's trying to do here is basically push the responsibility to governors so that when this thing does come back or when the economy tanks because of this, he can blame your governor yep. and say, oh, this is, you know, in our case, Tom Wolf's fault and not my fault. It's an admission of guilt without actually admitting guilt. And he's pushing blame off to other people. And it's absolutely disgusting. And to sort of hit on what Paul was talking about before, just really quick before I, I think I cut off Arista, um, it goes back to that quote of what even Trump said in like 2015 when he was running for president. He could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and his supporters would still support him. And I feel like this is coming to light right now. Like I know some Trump supporters, they think he's doing a great job. And then that's all I got to say. Yeah, there's people that think Tom Wolf and Andrew Cuomo and people like that are the devil. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't understand. Well, wait, wait. Let's be clear. The those the the numbers for Cuomo and 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 Newsom are currently quite high. They're 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 perceived as doing well and perceived as doing uh well for their state in this specific crisis. That includes Whitmer. Uh, and I'm gonna throw in a Republican, Dewine. He has also done well. Um, yeah, hats off to him. Yeah, hats off to fucking fucking Mike DeWine, who I think sucks and sucks, but he is <laughs> he's doing a quite good job of this where he's like, no, 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 these motherfuckers are dumb. Stay in your fucking house. Um, Arista, I'm gonna eat your last thought on this and then we're gonna move on to our last topic. I uh so just what, the reining it back to running on is Trump bad should be the main focus. I think uh, it's a balance. I mean, obviously, we have to remind voters that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is terrible. Here's all the threats to our nation and everything and your livelihood. And also, here's how we can make it better. I think that's the, the next step is is what we need to continue to run on. And that's the point that I've been trying to make as well. So that's that's final thoughts on that. All right, let's move on to the last topic. Uh, we are now have a presumptive nominee in Joseph Biden. Uh, he will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Uh, he now has to choose his running mate. Who do we think helps or hurts the ticket um, as a running mate. And Arista, because I didn't give you a lot of time in the last one, I do apologize. I will go with you first. Who are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this topic? Uh, well, so this is just in a general election with any type of voter, not just progressives, but I think... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, and I want to make the... Sorry, let me make sure it's clear. I'm drunk. Uh, we should have... <laughs> we're talking about... We're talking about just the general election. We're not just trying to core progressives general election <laughs> who do we think does best go arista yeah. so i'm gonna start with who i think would do worse the worst i think would be someone someone like uh amy klobuchar i don't think she's yeah. exciting yeah. i think yeah. she can be kind of boring um i think someone who my preferred candidate would actually be uh, Senator Kamala Harris. I think she is uh, she can appeal to both progressives and the more moderates of the party. I think she can use her status as a woman of color to uh, 
kind of cement the big tent and also her history as a prosecutor where she can, you know, prosecute the case against uh, Donald Trump and uh, Mike Pence. Um, and she's a, you know, a, a fighter uh, in a sense. So the, the, uh, that's why my choice would be was Senator Kamala Harris. So I think that's, that's who I think would build the best coalition. So end of Rob, um, Rob, who do you have? Similar to Arista, I think the weakest case is Amy Klobuchar. Um, her biggest case was she can win the Midwest. Um, but I don't, I don't see her energizing the base whatsoever. Maybe like some, like two moderate Republicans in Minnesota. But <laughs> I think um, objectively speaking, I feel like Arista, I do agree with you too. Kamala Harris might be that solidifying factor she can come across as progressive and still come across as moderate special political skill um not necessarily i agree with it but i think it's a savvy political tool that to use and i feel like it does benefit joe biden in the long run she is a fighter and could go against you know the the case that donald trump is a like a bad terrible person for millions and millions of americans I'll tell you oh, she's uh, yeah. real quick. I'll say I'll tell you she's making the case right now to be vice president with the whole like suspend credit card interest and credit card payments and stuff. She's making some uh, big big media suggestions and splashes right now. Well, so I think she's. Uh, let, let's be clear before before Senator Sanders dropped out before we had a pres a presumptive nominee. She's been pushing these policies during covid she let, has been great on this listen listen before senators dropped out i mean the presumptive nominee was still joe biden that's not i agree i think uh you know she can you can have your cake and eat it too with her right she's saying this stuff to get uh you know um noticed nationally so i think it's a you know putting that in her back pocket so to speak and i'll let paul answer now because i've been talking too much yeah, you let yeah, Paul yeah, answer. Sure. I'm not liking what your answer is. Shut up. Paul, what do you got? <laughs> well, I, I think that there's there's three and I've talked about these three, you know, ad nauseum on the on the group chat, but I think Kamala Harris is a great choice. Um, particularly if, you know, like we said earlier, you're you're very forward thinking and you're thinking maybe, you know, one term president twenty twenty four she's someone that I definitely could see winning a general election, particularly if the Republicans try to run someone like Nikki Haley. Um, I think, I think Stacey Abrams is a, is a great choice. Um, but I think if you really want to reach out to the progressives, um, and you really want to bridge that gap, like I said earlier, Elizabeth Warren is, is a fantastic choice. I think the more that I listen to her speak, the more she is just comes across as very, very intelligent, very, very, um, caring. Um, and, and I do realize that she's a college professor, but she, she seems to get what the struggles of the everyday American are. And I think that there's a lot of appeal to that. Um, I, I do think that, you know, Kamala Harris should have been the nominee. <laughs> no, I, I was, I was shocked that she was so sort of just thrown aside. Um, I, I do really think that, that she is the most prepared politician. You know, if you're talking about like a football coach, you know, going into a game, you, you talk about preparation. You got to have a plan. She has a plan. She's, she's, I think, one of the most gifted politicians of our, our era. Um, you know, but Nick I, I do, minus the winning. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, w- I wouldn't discount someone like Gretchen Whitmer. I know that she doesn't excite anybody, but she definitely would sure up a state that we need. Um, you know, but I think if you also go with a more moderate ticket, that might give you Arizona, for example, based on their Senate candidates. So that would give you the election. So, so there's a lot of different ways that you can go. And I think the party just has to figure out, you know, what do they want in the nominee? Do you want a future president potentially? Do you want a, a key swing state in your back pocket or, or do you want to reach out to, um, you know, people of color or, or um, progressives? Hang on, Arista wanted to fight you. Arista, what did you have? Uh, no, I don't want to fight you. I actually want to say I think in this in the situation of like Arizona and potentially Georgia, that uh, the the person running for senator might help up ballot. You know, I think Mark Kelly is like really loved in it's according to polls in Arizona right now. Yeah. So I think yes. that that might help up up ballot. And also the two senators from Georgia are, you know, kind of pieces of shit who profit off of COVID-19 tragedy. So I think if you have a, <laughs> two strong senators, both running very strong campaigns, we could. But, well, let, hang on. but let, wait, 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 wait. Well, let's be clear about Georgia. Doug Collins is running as well. They, they are looking. Doug Collins is looking to unseat Kelly Leffer. Um, like he probably will. He's. Like that, it's not. It's not like it's not like they're all going to be on there at the time of the. Like Kelly will not be on the ballot during the general election. No, the other one will be. I can't remember his name, but he uh, also did that sort of insider trading. Mm-hmm. Hey, they were just smart <laughs> business people. <laughs> Look, that. So that was just like a piggyback off of what Paul was saying. Is that uh, you know sometimes. Sometimes I think, too, you don't want to pick a candidate just to win states because that was what we did with Tim Kaine. Uh, consider that this, the strength of the candidates down ballot are, is also going to help up ballot. So that's my final sure, thought. We won Virginia. Here, can, I, can I ask a yeah. question all three of you? Uh, sure, Rob, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> what is one characteristic, like an adjective, you would want in a vice presidential candidate? Competence. Oh. Um, yeah, competence and uh, charisma. Arista? I'm going to go with charisma, actually. I think that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start I, with my fighter. I, I just think, too, that we lost by so little with running a horrible candidate on a horrible ticket in 2016. Wow. Okay. All right. You hear that HRC? You hear that HRC? You're a real piece of shit. Can I just... She gave us a headphones. I can hear it now. (laughs) Can I just say, I I just didn't think she ran a great campaign. I thought she, I think she's a good candidate. I just don't think she ran a great campaign and we still only lost by very, very little. If, if we do run a really good campaign um, and we get the Obamas off the bench for us and campaign as long as we can, for as hard as we can, we didn't lose Pennsylvania by much. We didn't lose Michigan by much. We didn't lose Wisconsin by much. And, and we certainly can turn Arizona and potentially even Georgia. We just, we you're, just got to. Paul, I just want to point out real quick. You're, you, you quickly go to Georgia when – Florida is way more uh, turnable than than Georgia is, and it has more uh, electoral votes than Georgia does. I, I think that Florida is more in play than Georgia is. I think that 
Georgia tends to be the Georgia is the Texas of general elections where Democrats are like, "Ooh, we got it. And we fucking don't. I'm sorry. I I thought that I thought that that just sort of went on. You know, that I didn't need to bring up Florida. I mean, ever since 2000, it's been just sort of assumed that that's going to be the we don't like we don't like to talk about Georgia. (laughs) So we don't like to talk about Florida. Florida's a Florida's a real problem. I just. I just don't really like. I can't get a read on that electorate. I, I just don't trust all those elderly people to, you know, come around. But maybe, you know, with DeSantis being an absolute <laughs> moron, they will. I mean, I mean he's yeah. literally killing half of his people by, you know, he he is the mayor from Jaws. Like he literally is the mayor from Jaws who refuses to close the beaches despite his constituents getting eaten by a shark. Like, that's why DeSantis. <laughs> Arista, go ahead. That's uh, it. I've never seen John. Texas is the Texas of the general election, first off. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's all I had to say. Texas is... And we're going to win Texas with Biden. No, we're not. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, I would actually like to go. I don't think I gave... I don't think I, gave, I didn't give my... Uh, VP uh, picks for this. I will say this. Um, I will say that um, Joe Biden is a candidate that doesn't carry at this moment, doesn't carry the baggage that Hillary Clinton carries for the sheer fact that she had the audacity to exist and want people to have health care in the nineties. So we all don't, we all don't hate her the way that, sorry, we all don't hate Biden the way that we hate her. You're right, Terrain. Um, Joe Biden did not want people to have health care in the 90s. I agree. <laughs> um, so I think I do. I do think that uh, Hillary Clinton had a had a unique had a unique um, down uh, had a unique downfall with the American people. Um, and that downfall was the the media in the same way that everybody hates the media when they don't like their candidate. Well, the media hated Hillary Clinton for a fucking long time. Wait, the um, media hated Hillary Clinton? I, I, whoa, Rob, I'm going to need you to be quiet. Because <laughs> the, the, if, you, if you do not think that the, you, the media I, of the I United really States had a concern. I, oh my God. All right, what's the stop? Go ahead with... Go ahead with whatever dumb shit you were gonna say, um, and, then, and then I'll point out that, and then I'll point out how fucking crazy sexist the media has been slash still is. So, do you do you want to jump into this or are you good? The Clinton News Network. All right, that's all I have to say now. <laughs> His name was Seth Rich. His name was Seth. Rich. <laughs> yes. Brain. Yes. Brain. See, I hear. This is the spot on the group chat where I just like started triggering everyone, and I start laughing out loud, and everyone just like pissed off. Like, <laughs> just love like like the oh, Birdie didn't get respect in the media. <laughs> Hillary Clinton was accused of having a fucking pedophile sex ring in a pizza shop in the media. Like, that's Alex cool. Jones. That wasn't on like CNN. Right, we're not talking about this anymore. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. The you're right. She was just accused of murdering Seth Rich. So let's be cool. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Everybody, shut the fuck up. Anyway. Um. Uh. Joe Biden does have options that can definitely help the ticket. I will say this. I don't necessarily, and I, I know we were talking about helps and hurts the ticket. I don't necessarily think uh Amy Klobuchar 
hurts the ticket. I just think she does nothing for the ticket. I don't think that Amy Klobuchar pushes the ticket forward, gets us anywhere we need to be, and makes inroads in any voter blocks that we need. I just don't see that happening. Um, Amy Klobuchar is a is a great campaigner. She was able to uh, have an immense uh, influence on the on this election and able to uh, m- you know get those fucking news headlines. But she didn't pull any, you know, wins in that. And I I think that a lot of the candidates that I'm going to say here also didn't, but have more sway in the Democratic Party um, in bringing people in. And my clear, obvious choice for VP is my candidate, who has been my candidate since she uh, decided to run, and I am clearly biased, but... Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has numerous things. One, she is an amazing campaigner. She is an amazing debater. And I would love to watch uh, the the headlines the next day of a camp of a, of a debate between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. I think she would pummel him into the floor, and it would be brilliant for me. But I also think she would be able to bring in the backbone of the uh, uh, Democratic voter, which are um, African-American voters. And I know that Joe Biden clearly won them. I agree. I think that she solidifies that vote, which is incredibly important going forward. Um, I also... I don't know who hit that rap air horn, but thank you. Um, I also think that she is just someone who has the ability and the gravitas to show that she is prepared to take over for Joe Biden when he does not run for a second term. And I think it's very important that Joe Biden makes a pledge that he does not run for a second term. One term is fine. We need you as a mercenary to take out someone who is awful and let's get rid of that person and let's move on. Um, does anyone have uh, any sort of negative thoughts about this before we uh, move on? We all literally agreed on the same person. That's not a negative yes. thought. I'm just saying a fact. Yeah, even though two yep. brought the same point that I had for Nina Turner and you all like hated me for that. <laughs> no, I was just challenging you, Robert. No. <laughs> Well, hang on, Robert. Hang on. Hang on, Roberto. Uh, Robert. Uh, Kamala is a fucking, is a United States senator, has been on the national stage on a debate, and has landed a clear fucking right hook on the presumptive Democratic yeah. nominee. So, so I'm pretty ready for Kamala. Uh, and I don't think that she has the re- name. I don't think that Nina Turner has the name recognition that that Kamala. Neither did Kamala. That's why she dropped out before Iowa. <laughs> All right. Did you feel good? Um, uh, Paul, you haven't said anything for a bit. Do you have anything to say before we go? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think that you know Joe Biden dropped out. What? After after oh, Iowa stop, or stop, something stop. like that. You just said Joe Biden dropped out. Is that right? Uh, hold on. He dropped out after like Iowa, right? And he was Obama's running mate, and it was all 
all kosher, all good. So when you drop out of a race, I don't think really matters. Okay. All right. Thank you. I, I was I legit thought that you were like careening into a Joe Biden dropped out. I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop right now. <laughs> My bad. No, I'm just I'm just transporting back to 2008. You know, simpler, happier times with a much better president. Yeah, right before the Great Recession, and we all got screwed over. <laughs> yeah, but then we got no, Obama, no, the, so. No, the, wait, hang on. Right, right. But the Great right, Recession I, I, happened. I, 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 my, 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 my. The Great Recession happened, then we got Obama, and he brought us out of the Great Recession. Thank you for making a great case for Joe Biden. <laughs> um, so, before we all leave, before we all leave, I would like to just ask, and this will be the final question, and then we're all done, and we're all going to go back to whatever fucking thing we're doing, including me making eggs. Um, <laughs> did, the question is, and, and I'm saying this because we are going to have a special Tiger King episode on Sunday, and I say that like as Netflix, not me. I'm we're, I'm being paid by Netflix to say this. Um <laughs> Tiger King on Sunday. Uh, there'll be an after show hosted by Joel McHale. I am going to ask you all, and I just want a one word answer, and then we're going to call it. Did Carol Vaskin do it? Of course. <laughs> that goddamn bitch, Carol Baskins. <laughs> yes. I think, I think she's innocent. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been Alcoholics. We'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>